It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Here at William Hill, you'll find pre-game and in-play cricket odds on loads of competitions. From test matches to one-day internationals, T20s and domestic cricket, we've got everything covered. Visit WilliamHill.com 18 plus. Please gamble responsibly. William Hill, it's who you play with. Season 4 of Middle Please Umpire is sponsored by Step 1. Hello and welcome to Middle Please Umpire. My name is Miles Chupp and I am joined as ever by uh, 95 mile an hour World Cup winning. Ashes winning. He's probably got various other plaudits. Uh, it's Mark Wood. Hello, Mark. Hello, Miles. How are you? I'm feeling good, actually. Feeling very good. What have you been doing? I've been doing some gardening. I've been potting some uh, various various things. Have you been doing it today or has this been a, an ongoing project? I'm going to do more tomorrow. I've got some tomatoes growing. I've got some... Loam. Loam for the wicket. The lawn is growing. It does need a little bit of a mow. No, loam. Loam. Loam? What does that word mean? <laughs> the stuff you put on the wicket, like soil, like uh, compost, loam. Oh, I thought you were saying the word lawn in a, in a way that I couldn't quite understand. Uh, okay, yeah, I don't I don't know. I'll go to my garden centre and ask if they've got any loam. <laughs> <laughs> I've been doing some acting, mm. which was very enjoyable. I got a job in a film, actually, which was... Oh, are you allowed to see it? What it is? I'm excited. I, I don't know if I, I am, because I. what happens is you get sent a non-disclosure agreement, and they say, oh, you must sign this. And so I sign the non-disclosure agreement. But what I never do is read the non-disclosure agreement, so I never know what it is that I'm allowed to disclose or not disclose. Is this the plot? Of the film. Is yeah. it like a thriller? <laughs> yeah. Well, I wouldn't call it... It's not thriller as such. No, it's it's very admin-heavy. Uh, it's just people <laughs> passing documents around and saying, no, you've not had this correctly witnessed. Um, but it was a sort of period film. It was exciting, sort of big Hollywood movie, I suppose, but I, I you know, in which inevitably I have quite a small part. But I, ha- because it's such a big machine, you have to do, you know, I had to go and have... Transformers. Sp- <laughs> it's, not, it's not the Transformers. Uh, and when I say the next bit, you'll understand, yeah, no, it can't be, can it? Uh, I, had, I had to go and have riding lessons. Uh, in I don't, are there many horses in the Transformers franchise? No, I, I'm not sh- so sure there are. No, yeah, that's when po- you said po- machine. I'm assuming that that was the big machine, but I've, I've, now I realise you were just talking about the cogs of the production and how big that was. And yeah, yeah, 
I don't know if you know this, Miles, but I once had an imaginary horse. I can. I've seen you. I've seen you ride. Just you. I haven't seen the horse. And I, and I used to ride a horse as well. Yeah. Was your horse real or imaginary? Mine was a real horse. It was called. It was called Shrek. I think it was in Buckinghamshire, a place called the um... Shrek the horse. You're definitely making this up. I'm not. I'm not making it up. I went. I got. I went to. I went to a place in Buckinghamshire, uh, and I spent an hour on this horse, and uh, it was such a clever horse that uh, I can't ride, really, but it made me seem like I could ride. The man that was instructing me, he said, to be honest, if you just look where you want to go, the horse will be able to take you there. And I was going, how on earth does it do that? It can't see where I'm looking. And he goes, no, if, like, if you stare over there, the sort of way that the muscles in your body loosen or tighten, the horse will sense that and will go there. That is the easiest way to steer this horse. And so that was happening. I was going around an indoor stool and every now and then I'd sort of stare over to my right and the horse would suddenly turn to its right. It was... It was slightly. It was a bit like being listened in on by the by the government, except it was a horse, uh, essentially. So where did you end up in the McDonald's drive-through? <laughs> That's right. Yeah, I just thought. Well, I just you know, it gives you such a sense of freedom. Well, I mean, when you're on a horse, would you can go anywhere. So of course, why wouldn't you? Yeah, straight to Stinky Max and then round to Starbucks for a turmeric latte, and then of course, when I got to the film, I said, "So do I have to ride a horse?" And they said, "No." And what happened is you have a double. Someone wears the exact same costume as you, which was just as well. So we did this thing. It was like a big snowy battlefield scene. I'm I'm standing in my in my sort of uh, outfit, which is quite fancy. They say action. Nothing happens for ages. And then suddenly there's this thundering, and about fifty horses come flying through the forest. Stop. Just dead stop. Suddenly the bloke at the front leaps off. I mean leaps off. Lands on both his feet, and they shout pause. And I was thinking, well, thank goodness I didn't have to do that. So the shout pause. I run in, swap places with a double. I had to go just put my feet where his where his landed effectively, as if, as if I've just jumped off a horse. In the meantime, I managed I managed to get this guy. He can ride a horse. He can jump off a horse. He's a, he's sort of very graceful. I, I had about eight paces to cover to swap places with him, and in that time, I managed to get my sword stuck in the ground twice. <laughs> so it was, <laughs> which which people were very polite about. Well, that sounds very much like when an umpire puts his arm out for me and says "clear" or "action." As you as you like, and then I yeah. fall over at the end of my bowling. <laughs> With your, have you got a, a new knee pad sponsor yet? No, no, but I but I am ready for WWE SummerSlam if they need me. I've got all the equipment ready, um, so if the, if the wrestling world need me, I'm, I'm fully covered. What would your um, wrestling name be? Wonderwood. Wonder. <laughs> I can feel myself going to the ring there now. Would you be one of the sort of goodies or one of the baddies? Because wrestling's sort of a bit like pantomime, isn't it? You've got sort of goodies yeah. and baddies, and the goodies come on one side of the stage, the baddies the other. Oh, uh, I think I think I'd be a good a goodie. Yeah. And as I'd get on the ropes, people could shout, He's behind you. <laughs> I think you'd also have a finishing move that would involve gravy in some way. <laughs> No, not the burning gravy. That's how you'd finish people off. You'd get a big proper big gravy jug, big gravy boat, maybe. How how have we gone from where we were to here? We're still talking about showbiz, essentially, aren't we? Mm. That's what it is. It's basically the same subject. We're just talking about, you know, and also it's worth mapping out some sort of future, isn't it? And I think if you become a wrestler called the Wonderwood and you're, you know, you've got catchphrases, he's behind you, mind your knees, and your finishing move is uh, gravy-based, 
We've got all the tools there. All the tools are there. Gravy boat, gravy boat, gravy boat. That's what they'll be shouting when you're whoever it is you've vanquished is down there. And that is your, your sort of big finishing move is you get your gravy boat. You you will have a gravy boat at home, presumably. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Is it in a, is it like a novelty one? Is it an interesting shape? Novelty? Yeah. Are you kidding me? Uh, sorry, I don't mean to be flippant about gravy, Mark. <laughs> I know it's... <laughs> I know. I know that's like questioning some people's faith. It's a, no, it's a very sensible, very sensible gravy boat. Came as part of the the cutlery. I mean, it's it's got its own place. Came with the house, yeah. And it's made of real silver. Silver. I mean, this this isn't just any, this isn't this isn't any gravy boat made. Oh right. This is the gravy boat handed down from generation to generation. Hey, no, I'm the same. I I inherited my grandfather's countdown teapot. Uh, that's what we put our <laughs> gravy in. <laughs> Okay, so we've mapped out your future. Mine remains unclear, uh, but you've got quite an easy, yeah, quite a straightforward life ahead of you, it sounds like. You're not bowling so much at the moment. What will the training involve, Mark? Uh, doing a little bit of bowling, so just some ball throughs. I'm going to do some running, some a little bit of batting, mm. and then some gym work. Yeah, that's, that's some physio, trying to, get, trying to get back in the team, so it's just about building it up gradually. Okay, well, I, d- I don't want to keep you from training, Mark, because obviously... Uh, we're all anxious to see you back roaring in. Uh, what I'm going to do, I'm going to jump to the mailbag. And I'm, I'm looking at this this blind, so let's see what comes up. Here we go. Uh, well, we open, and why wouldn't we, on our cricket-themed uh, podcast, uh, with a Silla Black anecdote that has been... <laughs> I, I, I now can't remember how how this has come about. Um, but here we are, a Silla Black anecdote. This is from Simon Whiteside. He says, uh, Silla Black's singing of anyone who had a heart was a topic on an A-level music technology exam one year. One of the questions asked, how could you improve the recording of this song? One of my students simply wrote, get someone else to sing it. <laughs> <laughs> It's a bit open-ended, that. You've not said whether they got marks for that or not marks for that, so that's that's left you very neatly on the fence. A wonderful song, uh, of course, Anyone Who Had a Heart. I believe, is that what you all sing in the Durham dressing room after a draw? <laughs> <laughs> no, no, you're, you're missing... You're thinking of heart, and um, when we lose, we sing heart alone. Oh, that's alone right. till now, always goodbye on my own. Oh, that's absolutely beautiful. What we do in uh, on the uh, on the coach on the way back from uh, Monmouth Thirds games, if we've lost, we um, we all sing along to the entirety of um, the Prodigy's Fat of the Land album. Right, uh, <laughs> the next one. Um, <laughs> worst cricket matches. This is from Andrew Bedwell. Uh, on the subject of the worst cricket games, it would have to be a school second eleven match playing for Culford School versus Lees uh, back in two thousand and three, two thousand and four. Uh, there's the dates of the academic year, presumably, rather than a winter a winter tour. Um, it started with our already suspect team being five players short. Uh, a last minute. Uh, Whip round meant myself and another lad scraped together a full team, uh, included two Nigerian lads who had never heard of cricket until that year, uh, two chaps we had to fish out of the smokers' woods. Uh, senior master assumed I'd also been up to no good as I skulked out from the trees, a serious embarrassment for my prefect image at the time, and a boy from the West Indies who must have been the only person for the region to have never played cricket before. When we got to the match and lost the toss, we implored the opposition to bowl first, safe in the lorries. That way we could all be home before we even needed the tea break. They chose to bat first. I can't remember how many overs we played back then, but the standard at that time was such that 120 was normally more than enough to see you at home, and 150 was out of sight. In the blistering summer heat, they racked up to <laughs> they racked up 222 with just a couple of wickets. Highlights, in- 
Highlights included one of our bowlers bowling at least 12 ball over. It was likely more, but the umpire gave pity on us. And one ball being bowled cleaner. <laughs> one ball being bowled clean over the wicketkeeper's head on the full for four byes. Our heroic response was 32 all out. Highlights include one lad taking guard inches from the stumps in a French cricket style, and another being. <laughs> This is, this is chaos. Uh, another being gently coached by the umpire to pick his bat up before the bowler had let go. To add to the misery, I personally opened and top scored with a mighty 18, but was last man out, thus failing in what will no doubt be my only ever chance to carry my bat. Uh, well, thank you very much indeed for that, Andrew. That sounds uh, essentially disastrous on all fronts. Um, what's the lowest total that you've all been out for ever, Mark? 36. When I played for Northumberland, we always, when we played the big teams like Lancashire and Yorkshire, we always yeah. had to bowl first to make sure that, you know, it was a bit of a game of it and it would last a long time. We played Lancashire at home and they got loads. And then we were all up for 36, which I was a joint top scorer with five. <laughs> I certainly top scored with seven uh, in a total of 20, 28. Um, mm. which is sort of Joe Root, pretty much, isn't it? Sort of a quarter of my team's runs. And I bet you they, they probably celebrated the most when they got you out, because they're like, oh, that's a key wicket. Got that guy, he's out of control. Yeah, thank mm. goodness me, we, fi- we finally managed to put a stop to that absolute run spree. OK, uh, this is uh, from John Hunt. This is uh, Cricketers in Traffic Jams. I can no longer remember if that's something that we asked for, or it's just... I mean, every, every, literally everything is valid. My first meeting of a cricketer occasion... I mean, no-one forgets their first meeting of a cricketer. Uh, was a car journey from the fens of the Norfolk-Cambridgeshire border to the south coast. That is a long trip. Uh, this journey took in the Dartford Bridge, which had its usual mid-2000s tailbacks. It's a toll bridge, the Dartford uh, crossing. Mark, I don't know if you know that. No, I don't. Right, well, write that down. Uh, Upon Upon slowing down to the queuing traffic, I noticed a pretty neat SUV slowing down next to me. While the car took my eye, it was nothing compared to the shock of shaggy blonde hair that was sat atop the head of none other than England's swing maestro, Matthew Hoggard. Of course, I got slightly excited and leant across my confused, embarrassed girlfriend to sneak a look through the passenger window. It turns out that a large man with a strained gaze half laying in the lap of a startled passenger is enough to get the attention of even the most laid-back of England cricketers. Hoggard waved politely at the gurning idiot in the car next to him and turned away. Of course, turning away was his only option, given the two-mile jam, and we spent the next 45 minutes exchanging first place in the world's slowest, most excruciating motor race, while he stared forward with remarkably steadfast indifference. Of course, I put this unthinking behaviour down to the Ashes 2005 fever. Hoggard was a national hero, and I was young. Fast forward to 2019, I was travelling to a relatively important business meeting in Orlando, Florida. Fancy. A fully-fledged 39-year-old, grown up this time. Upon arrival in the Sunshine States, myself, a colleague, and what appeared to be a small army of child and adolescent holidaymakers, wearily alighted the plane. We wandered up to the American security processing area and were met with a ridiculous queue. So imagine my surprise when I noticed not far behind us was another ashes-willing, blonde-haired, pace-bowling genius. This time, it was Stuart Broad. It turns out that 20 years of life experience does nothing to change a man. This time, rather than banging on a car window, I managed to interrupt Stuart's conversation to ask for a selfie. Given the long-haul flight, I was amazed that he duly obliged with a friendly, understandable weariness. I was satisfied, my colleague was confused, and we moved on. Of course, moving on in a queue at Orlando Immigration consisted of moving in a snake-like pattern along the lines of partition barriers. I'd not taken into account the effect this has. Myself and Broad, along with my colleague and Molly, spent the next hour and a half exchanging awkward hellos, nods, and, in the end, staged interest in smartphones each time the queue moved to the point that we were stood next to each other again. 
By the time pass number six came and we'd conducted our rather British jet-lagged interaction for the last time, it didn't escape my notice the speed that they both disappeared in the opposite direction at double speed. No doubt heading for the nearest bar by way of recovery. Frankly, I don't blame them. Oh, well, I'm sorry that that meeting with uh, uh, Brody turned... Well, it doesn't sound like it turned sour, but yes. If you say hello very early on, uh, you are left with... Uh, you, you are sort of stuck with each other. Well, just listen to that... I think you've got to find a, a common ground, haven't you? You've got to, I mean, the hello, lovely photo, maybe, you know, where are you staying? Are you here for holiday? Have you been training? Have you got any tips on fast bowling? You know, maybe find a common ground. Do you like Bovril? Do you? <laughs> <laughs> Should any of our listeners encounter Stuart Broad, it would be quite useful to know if he likes Bovril. Uh, and therefore this could be relied upon as a helpful conversation starter for anyone in a similar situation. I once did some sort of corporate um, advertising thing with Brody, and I didn't. I actually didn't ask him about Bovril, looking back, and I regret it. We spent the whole time talking about... Um... He's been he's been messing with me quite a bit, Brody, actually, about football manager. He's been playing football manager. Um, and the feeling I'm getting is more, more of a suit guy than a tracksuit coach. Um, and he's been asking my advice on some of the things. I'm, I'm more like the training ground guy. I think he thinks that's what I am. So, yeah, Brody, if, if the common ground could be football manager for those that also like football as well as cricket. So if you see him, maybe, you know, talk tactics, maybe. Fantasy football he likes. I talked to him about bowling tactics against India, who you, yeah. you're going to be playing that summer. Yeah, and then we'll maybe use that as a way in to get up to Bovril. Also, he, he likes water parks. I remember he nearly fell off a tube ride that I was on. Um, because his legs couldn't fit in the in the ring very well, and he almost <laughs> fell out. All right. Well, I'm pit- I'm picturing the scene, and it is little short of harrowing. Uh, <laughs> okay. Um, this is uh, from Helen Serrano. Uh, cricketers near supermarkets. We really have broadened out this category. This must have mm. been some rambling thing I said. Oh, also, of course, you know, do write in if such and such. And I. I need to start putting checks and balances on these things. Get yourself together, Miles, and action. Dear Middle Please team, I have been waiting for the widening of cricketers of petrol stations for some time in order to recap my cricketers near Waitrose anecdote. Right, there we go. Explanation uh, done. Uh, It would mean a lot to have this read out because I knew no one to share my story with at the time and, frankly, no one since. And Waitrose now do a fantastic mindful chef meal available for all. It's simply delicious and a symphony of flavours will burst into your mouth. That's Mindful Chef, available at any Waitrose near you now. Yeah, it sounds delicious. It does also make you shit yourself. Now, several... <laughs> Sorry, that is that is what's called legally fair usage, Mark. You, can, you, can't just, you can't just advertise them on the podcast. We also have to give sort of both both points of view. Have you ever had uh, kombucha? Do you know what I mean by kombucha? Um, it's, it used to be a wikibar for South Africa. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> Uh, you've confused Mark Boucher and Kim Hughes. You've you've elided them to make a new a new drink. It's some sort of I don't even know what it is. I was in um, a cafe with my agent in London, and it was there. And I said, "Oh, kombucha." It's someone had said it's a sort of quite nice modern drink, quite seemed modern to me. And I said, "Oh, I'll have the uh, raspberry kombucha, please." And the waiter the waitress she said to me, "You do know that's a health drink." And I said, "Okay, I'm I'm sure that's fine." And then a bit a few minutes later, another waiter came. <laughs> is that because you don't look healthy? I, well, I wondered in what effect it has on you because before bringing the drink, another waiter came over and said, did someone at this table order the kombucha? And I said, yeah, that was me. And she said, are you aware that it's a health drink? And I said, yes. And then and then a different waiter, he brought the thing over and when he put it down, he said, who's the kombucha for? I said, it's me. And as he put it down, he said, just to warn you, this is a health drink. And by now, of course, I, I assume that health drink was some sort of euphemism for this will go clean through you. 
uh, and I, <laughs> I was unable to enjoy it. I have to say. Anyway, that's uh, that's a slight tangent. Um, put that to music. Hell of a song. <laughs> anyway, you've advertised the mindful chef. Uh, can I put in a word for bird's eye? <laughs> Uh, just six, honestly, fish fingers, omega rich, six minutes on each side. Absolutely delicious. Bird's eye. The food of life. Um, here we go. Here we go. Uh, right, I'm going to read this letter, Mark. Okay, right. This person said it would mean a lot to have this read out. Several 30-ish years ago. Mark, oh dear, Mark, he's gone over. Are you exercising your abs? Are you having some sort of I'm trying attack? to be quiet while laughing at you. Oh, okay, sorry, Bird's sorry, eye. sorry. Okay, all right, okay, here we go, here we go. Several 30-ish years ago, it was the day of the school sixth form ball, uh, prom, I believe they're called now, which coincided with the Bath Cricket Festival. I was probably the only person who was aware of both events. My ball responsibility was the crudite starters. Yes, we were catering our own ball. What of it? I got to the home economics room at school, ready to chop, but realised there was no celery. Panicked, I used 10p to call my mum, and she offered to ferry me to Waitrose. Such was the heavy traffic and dire catering situation, time was of the essence. Ladies and gentlemen, we've now entered the jeopardy phase of this letter. I exited the car and started to run towards Waitrose. At the same time, I noticed that my passage was blocked by a couple of men ambling along in white clothes with large bags. My first thought was, they need to get out of the way. My second thought was, oh, they might be cricketers on their way to the cricket festival. My third thought was, oh my God, it's Mark Lathwell, I love him. He had been picked for England at this stage, but not played his doomed by youth innings yet. By the time I had this third thought, the cricketers Mark Lathwell and Marcus Truscothic, for it was them, had turned around in alarm at my thundering steps, and all I could think of to say was, excuse me, celery emergency, and push past them into the shop. (laughs) (laughs) I felt like I also gave them a reassuring smile that said, I'm also a big cricket fan, especially of yours, Mark. Good luck with England. Sorry to alarm you. But in retrospect, they probably just shrugged and carried on with their journey. The ball went fine, thanks for asking, but was relegated to the second best thing to happen to me that day. Now, that is a beautiful story. That is exactly the sort of thing that we are after. Because we've had... What was the one we were talking about? Was it Celery Man? Mm. There was a letter someone sent in. <laughs> it was someone that would try and hit the fielder with a piece of celery. Was that it? Yeah. Any encounters involving cricketers and celery, uh, do do write in. It's a, it's a niche topic, but undoubtedly has room to growth. That was a nice story, that. Yeah, Mark. I wouldn't have thought that they'd overlap Tresco and Mark Lathwell, but Mark Lathwell, what he was picked for England in '93, wasn't he? When did uh, Bangers? When did he start playing? Late '90s. Was it late '90s? Oh, of course. So they would have been on the staff together. You probably know Triscothic. You probably get throwdowns from him. You can ask him. Why don't you just run? Why don't you run past him shouting "Celery emergency" and see how he reacts? But I'll smile as if I know him. Do you know what? Do you know what? Well, you you do know him. Yeah, yeah, so it wouldn't work. Here's how I see it playing out. You're running. Marcus Ruscothic turns round. You say, excuse me, celery emergency. Marcus Ruscothic will look at you and say, I've not heard that in a while. That that has to be Mm. how that will play out. Yeah. Uh, Well, thank you very much indeed uh, for those excellent letters. We have, uh, it says here, an extraordinary number of open categories now. So cursed kit or bad luck charms. Cricketers at petrol stations, or now anywhere else unexpected. Uh, Queues, supermarkets, uh, most recently Waitrose, of course, but uh, all supermarkets would be uh, considered. Uh, Best or worst games, umpiring incidents, amusing injuries, uh, amusing tour stories. Hi, it's David Gower here. Uh, Yes, it's me. Look, it's it's slightly embarrassing, but look, Mark and Miles, they've, they've forgotten the email address again, so look... 
If you've got any cricketing tales, stories, whatever it might be, you want to send to them, please email them at middlepleasehotmail.com. at hotmail.com. Um, and if that's too much, well, try Twitter or Instagram. Okay, let's uh, turn our attentions to this week's special guest. Do you want to give any clues as to who the guest is going to be, Woody? Um, right, the clue for you would be he grew up in Mordor. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He isn't shy of the odd rocket. Right. Unlike most sporting cricketers who wear white shoes, this guy tends to like black shoes. Mordor rockets, black shoes. At the moment, I'm torn between... Sauron and... <laughs> yeah, I. it's very difficult. Um, no, no, it's gone. No, a rocket it could be... Is he, I mean, does he work within the armaments industry? <laughs> no. Is, no. it, is it Vernon von Braun? Uh, no. Is it, is it Sir Ian McKellen? <laughs> no, but you're getting closer. Those are my two main... No, no. Well, it'll all become clear soon enough. Uh, bear in mind, I know who the guest is because I'm, you know, I get the same emails as you. But yeah, I still can't guess it. That's <laughs> that's testament to the quality of your clues. It's Lockie Ferguson. Oh yeah, thank you. Middle Please Umpire is proud to be sponsored by Step One Underwear, the UK's choice for comfortable, breathable, and no chafe boxers. Step One believes great achievements start with getting the basics right. So delivering maximum comfort while you're compiling your century or coming in for your third spell of the day is all important. Step One stylish boxes are worn by elite cricketers and sports people the world over. But why do they wear them? Well, they completely eliminate chafing with their ultra-glide panels, which prevent your thighs from rubbing together. So get rid of the baby powders, lotions or whatever other remedy you use. They have got your thighs covered. Not only that, they're ethically made, sourced from sustainably grown organic bamboo, making them super soft, antibacterial and breathable, keeping your, and I can't believe I'm saying this, meat and two veg dry all day, whether you're on the pitch or going about your other everyday shenanigans. It's not just gentlemen who get to enjoy the comfort of Step 1, they have a women's boxer range as well. Step 1 are so confident that you'll love them that there's a 30-day money-back guarantee on your first purchase. If you don't like your first pair, for whatever reason, they will give you a full refund and you get to keep the pants. So you can try them out completely risk-free. Best of all, for a limited time, listeners of Middle Please Umpire, that's you, can get a whopping 30% off the entire range. Just head to step1.life and enter the code MP30 at checkout. See what the fuss is all about and make Step 1 an essential part of your daily chafe and sweat-free living. Step 1. Get some. William Hill's Safer Gambling Tools helps you stay in control. You can set deposit limits, session reminders and take timeouts whenever you need them. 18 plus, please gamble responsibly. William Hill, it's who you play with. Welcome to Middle Please Umpire, Lockie Ferguson. Hello, Lockie. Hey guys, how are we going today? I'm all right. Woody's Woody's wearing his Durham kit, which I don't think anyone's seen for... Is that worrying? <laughs> it's a bit of a surprise. <laughs> oh, it's good to see. See, Lockie's one of the good guys, you see. He's a fast bowler like myself, you see, Miles, so... Um, obviously, you can join the club as well if you want, Miles. But what, what do you actually think? You'd be part of the fast bowling clan, or what? Well, you're bo- you both bowl at about ninety-five. Is that right? You both. In fact, which of you is quicker? I don't. I don't want to start a row. Well, if, if I've got the wind, if I've got the wind, and I'm downhill. Ah, oh, that's not a pissing contest. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> maybe, maybe I've got Lockie ninety-five, but I reckon Lockie uphill in the wind, he's still hitting ninety-five. You see. That, okay. Yeah. Well, Big we'll give we'll, we'll give you the easy end mark. Yeah. If I well between you between you you're a hundred and 90 aren't you so i could i could find 10 miles an hour from somewhere 
uh, probably, plus. and then bring it up to 10 plus, you know, if, if I get the easy end. <laughs> and pres- what, how's it going at the IPL then, Lockie? Uh, presumably what happened is, basically, did you all share Woody's fee between you once he couldn't come <laughs> over there? <Is> that- <laughs> no, of course, he, he's with the other team, uh, the new team. But, I, thought um, it yeah, should be, just- I thought it should be divided over everyone in the competition, really. Over you know, everyone, yeah. There was the- plenty there to spread, wasn't there? Um, just, just, the, just the people that, are, people that are bothered to turn up. Yeah. <laughs> Nah, it's it's all good here, eh? The, well, the new franchises have been going nicely, so I'm sure they're missing Woody over at um, the Super Giants. But no, nah, we've been trucking all right too. It's um, it's a whirlwind the IPL. I mean, a lot of players talk about how intense uh, each game is, and I mean, this year's been no different. I feel like every game comes down to the last over. And is there a thing where, because obviously, like you've played for is this your third third franchise? Yeah. That third thing one, yeah. you might think it would be hard to. I don't know if you if you're playing for different sides to motivate yourself, but presumably just the intensity of the event means that's not the case. I mean, you can't you couldn't be out in the middle of one of those games and not not feel sort of supercharged, could you? Because there's just so much going on. Yeah, I mean, you sort of have to get up and running with a team pretty quickly. And yeah, it's, I mean, it's a good question, but I think we're as athletes probably a bit more used to now with franchise cricket playing for different teams and trying to fit in. How many games have you two played against each other? Oh, that's a good question. Oh, jeepers. I know I haven't faced them too much, which has been a bonus in my career. Yeah, believe you me, I'm very happy about that as well. The other way around, like, don't you worry about that. <laughs> no, I think I don't. I don't know. It's probably a good question, but um, but yeah, no, I think normally when guys bowl, I guess 150, we sort of always pretty friendly to each other around the ground. You know, we're part of the fast bowler society, so. Just p- pitch it out for me, mate, and I'll, you know, get I love one. that. Respect. See, I mean, we probably shouldn't say that to the live audience. Yeah, we'll, we'll give each other both barrels. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Because yeah, yeah. I, I just watched this morning, because, I mean, why not, little highlights of the 2019 Cricket World Cup final. Uh, Presumably, New Zealand, if you watch that back, all you can possibly think is, well, we were just incredibly unlucky. It's not like you go, oh, we could have done this differently or whatever. You know, you picked out Jason Roy when he was fielding well. You had like the thingy bouncing off, you know, Stokes's bat. There's no, there's not a point when you think, well, that you know, that was anything other than bad luck, really. Yeah, um, you know, I'm, I'm obviously we're straight into the World Cup final. Um, good for you, lads, but no. Nah. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't even, you know. didn't even warm me into it. I eh? not even. Seen that. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I haven't even watched it back to be honest. Um, it was now nah, we look back on it fondly. I think. Um, there's probably other teams where we'd probably struggle to that, uh, to swallow that pill, but um, obviously we get along with the English lads, and it was one of those games for the for the for the century, really. Um, and it's sort of all a bit of a blur. Certainly the evening after was as well. Um, but no, I'm still yet to watch. <laughs> still yet to watch the game back. I'm sure there'll be some point when I watch the full game back. Because you, I mean, you come out of it brilliantly. Like like Woody, you face no balls, but don't get run out. You take. Two wickets a, and made a fantastic catch. The, the three, didn't he? Three, four, yeah. How well, Miles? Sorry, sorry. It's probably something wrong with my Google. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, don't worry. I'm surprised I remember, yeah. But that catch as well, you took a fantastic catch in, well... I was actually know. out of position for that catch, hilariously. It was Jimmy's first ball of his over and um, I was out signing a signature and he normally takes a bit of time to fluff around, you know, sorting his field and whatnot, so... I thought I'd sign a few signatures um, and I was right behind point where I should have probably been about 30 or 40 yards in front of square. And as I turned around from the signature, he was running into bowl almost at the crease. So I started moving left because I was like, shit, I'm miles out of position. He dropped short and wide and Morgs obviously cut it straight over point. 
and I just happened to be in the, the right position to catch it. So it was one of those amazing moments where I was absolutely shitting myself. And that's probably why when you see me catch it, I'm just lying on the ground going, oh, my God, I've almost like <laughs> cooked yeah, it, yeah. but it's worked. It's worked out well. Um, I have, I have to go yeah, and sign signatures fun. after every ball now, just to get myself. <laughs> yeah. Well, that, was... that that to me, that's New Zealand, isn't it? One of the things that Mark slowly gets infuriated by is that I, I, I bang on about two things. One is Michael Atherton, and the other one is how much I like New Zealand. And it does seem to me that the you know the between you two teams is an excellent atmosphere. I mean, I imagine you get on with all international sides, Lockie. Yeah. Look, I think there's a, a mutual respect, probably, and we. You know, we play some tough cricket on the field. You know, we always get seen as the nice guys, but I'm sure um, the English boys would know when we're playing the game. It's, you know, it's it's uh, plenty of heat, but after the game, it's important, I think, to, I guess, have some respect for the game. And, the, and you know, we've had some good wins against the boys and obviously some some close losses as well, and it's just part of the game. But um, we're, we're led pretty well with Kane and his attitude and his um you know his leadership with that so um you know a lot of it sort of led up to him so what about the, that the system in new zealand then in terms of like i suppose new zealand has that reputation stretching back years of kind of getting the best out of everyone and getting the best out of the the talent pool what what was the new zealand system like that you were sort of developing in in terms of like support and encouragement uh look i think it's that's a good question and um i think we've thought about it new zealand sport in general um, across all the sort of different sports is, is always punched above their weight. Obviously, the All Blacks goes without saying, and even like our sailors, our rowers, we're a small country, but seem to be able to constantly, I guess, punch above our weight. And whether it's sort of an attitude we have or an expectation that lies within us, I honestly don't know. But we enjoy being the underdogs, um, being sort of the, the small team um, that people think can't do things and then proving them wrong. And um, I wish I could nail exactly what it is. Um, but the development... The thing is, I, I don't feel like that. I don't feel like that when we play New Zealand. I don't feel like they're the, 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 the little side or the side that's the underdog. Like, from an English point of view, we always know that it's going to be like a real tough game. Like, if anything, we're the ones that need to step to match their levels of commitment and um, skill um, to, to be able to compete, I guess that thing is it. Like Brendan McCullum, the way that uh, Morgan watched McCullum and thought, "Hang on, we need that's this is who we need to be like." You yeah, know, we that, copied in, yeah, a way. We co- in a way. We copied their sort of you know blueprint of that one day stuff. Yeah, um, so th- th- thanks for that. Uh, yeah. I guess. Yeah. Because yeah. <laughs> 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 also, there's that kind of can-do attitude. I've, I've I went to New Zealand for about five or six weeks a decade ago, and I just loved the sort of can-do attitude about it britain's very much a kind of you think of an idea and you know you can meet 14 or 15 people that will give you reasons why it can't happen i suppose whereas that's not the case in you know in new zealand i talked to to woody when he when we first started doing this about like coming into the durham dressing room and the england dressing room and i was amazed by how vividly he could remember it what then when you suddenly get to the point when you're picked for new zealand what what can you remember the dressing room that you walked into the team environment that you that you were suddenly part of? Yeah, I think like just a couple of small things. I mean, I, I had never played against Ross Taylor um, or with him at that time when I got picked. And the night that it came out, he actually left me a voicemail, which was about two minutes long, about how excited he was for me to be a part of the side. Um, you know, I, I was playing Australia in my first series and he said, you know, you just bowl quick against those guys and you'll be sweet and gave me some confidence. And I guess for the 
you know, one of our heroes at the time who I'd never met, really had a conversation with to go out of his way to leave a message, make me feel welcome as part of the team was pretty special for me. And he does that for every player. And obviously now he's retired. I'm sure he'll play a big part with the development of our players. Um, and then even my first game, Tim Salvi, I played in his position. So naturally you think, you know, taking the role of, of Tim's, he would be a little bit upset with me or, or potentially bitter, but he was the complete opposite. He was running drinks around for me, hydrating me, talking to me about cricket um, as we were leading up to the game, some different plans, um, what his thoughts were. And even on game day, you know, he was he was unbelievable with that too. So I think maybe that that's the 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 team we've created and the, the culture. And certainly I didn't play under Baz, but that's definitely the the feeling that's certainly started with him. And then Kane's um, probably taken that again to another level with his attitude. So um, it's a great time to play for the Black Caps for sure. And when you have a team, I think that realizes the bigger picture is almost more important than just individual performances. Um, you know, you can you can sort of achieve some pretty amazing things. Have, uh, have you got your voicemail ready then, Lucky, for the next lad coming through? Have you, have you got what you're going to say? Have you got it ready? <laughs> no, I'm super bitter, eh? I wouldn't, nah. <laughs> no, I can't have anyone taking my spot. No, I'm just kidding. Um, but I'm sure it's the exact same with England. Like, you guys are one sort of wolf pack that hunts together and you're just trying to help each other become better. And I think that competition then actually breeds more talent and more success because you're sort of pushing each other to be better and fight for the spot. All right, spot on, spot on. In terms of like drifting between formats, I would have thought now which you can't really drift between formats, can you? From a sort of scheduling point of view, if you were to say, "I really want to have a good long run Red Bull thing," you'd have to. How how would you find the time to do that? Do you think? Honestly, it's a it's a great question. I'd love to know from from Woody how he crosses formats as easily as he does because um, we play so much cricket now that how, I don't know how he does it. What Woody does is he has he has an operation after each major tournament or series. <laughs> And that gives him gives him a bit of thinking time in a in a hospital gown. It's a very good system, actually. It wouldn't work for everyone, but for Woody, it's, it's a real it's a real chance to reset. Mate, those videos, honestly, I would have watched them like 10, they 20 were... times. That they is were... the best content that's come out of Kudu. That one, the one when you say I, I, gravy, I want gravy, and then you fall asleep, and then she says you like Bovril, and you look at her going, yeah. Well, when I was young, I did. Can't remember half of it. I mean, and your quote that's like. Don't worry, I'll still bowl fast. Like I still say that to the boys now because they give me shit about something, and I'll be like, "Don't worry, I'll still bowl fast." Yeah, <laughs> seeing that together, I love that, Lucky. With our, with our, like, what's that group? It's like a bit of banter. It's, yeah. it's brilliant. It's quite a U-turn, isn't it? So, so few seconds after saying, "Have they cut my arm off?" Uh, <laughs> yeah, I'll still bowl fast. But yeah, look, I, I think it's tough. I think um, back to your original question. I think crossing formats there. I mean, most fast bowlers and, well, all cricketers would attest that they're sort of getting further and further away from each other now. The T20 games just become, like, the way Joss is battling, batting at the moment is ridiculous in this competition. Um, the positions he's Cheap getting minute. in and hitting, and, oh, hitting Yorkers for six over long off when his, when his weight's way to the leg side and, you know, and, and then to take that game and I'm sure to try play with a juke ball swinging around corners and stuff the techniques have to be different and with fast bowling and, you know, nothing really changes with that as well. But certainly from my point of view, I'm pretty happy to be playing as much cricket as I can and white ball and if red ball, if I get an opportunity, it's not an easy side to make the black caps at the moment, but if there's opportunity in the future, then I would love to. Um, but, you know, you just have to sort of, I guess, be happy with where you're at this point and set goals out. But um, at the same time, you know, being able to play, 
white ball cricket around the world has been pretty epic. Speaking of, speaking of crossover miles, I know that Lockie's played for both Yorkshire and Manchester. So he's been crossed over <laughs> the pines. And they obviously they don't like it each they don't like each other, do they? Nah. So it'd be interesting. So the question on everyone's lips are who is the better blokes, Yorkshire or the other side in Manchester? <laughs> Chucking <laughs> me right under the bus there. Well, I, I would say I, I had a great time with Yorkshire, and because the Manchester side was only made up with a few um Lanx boys, you know, I didn't get to know them all as well. So I'd have to Oh, well played, Lockie. Well played. <laughs> You've battered them up beautifully. Because <laughs> what what do you imagine it would be like making it if you I don't I've no idea if this is a pipe dream or not, but that thing of coming and playing like for a county championship side from where you are now, that's a, I mean, that's such a different sort of lifestyle, isn't it, really? You know, to go from the, the sort of lovely sort of Mumbai living and whatever and playing these sort of big games to suddenly be, I don't know, running in front of 11, 11 people in the crowd in a second-hand bookshop. Uh, <laughs> you know, it's a very, <laughs> whatever it might be out there. You know, that's that's such a different thing. But, of course, from a skill point of view... It must be it must be great to have a sort of long a long stint doing something like that. Yeah, uh, to be honest, the crowds we had at Headingley for the like the Roses game we had was unbelievable. The crowd there, and you could see like Livy was just absolutely up for that game, and he got some <laughs> catches that night, and he got an early pole, mate, and he was like cloud nine, honestly, and pretty awesome to be a part of that. And then literally played that Roses game, we won it right at the last minute, and then the next week I was you know over at playing for Manchester Originals, so. Um, yeah, they tested my loyalties, but it was, it was good fun. <laughs> well, talking talking to counties, obviously at Durham, I'm at Durham here um, as we're recording this. We've had Latham, um, Will Young, Henry Nichols yeah, played yeah. here for a little bit as well. So my question is, out of them three, the Durham lads, you've got to marry one, kiss one and kill one. What, which one are you picking for which one there? Out of Latham, Henry Nichols and Will Young. Yeah. They are like the nicest guys in the world. Exactly. Um, it's tough. We ask the tough questions on here, Lockie. We don't. We don't always ask people who they'd kill. Mark, in fairness, this seems to be a new, <laughs> a new sense of direction. Jeez, that's a tough one. Probably, probably have to marry Youngy. I feel like he'd make good husband material. Um, <laughs> yeah, he's very structured. I feel like he'd be running a good pickup for the kids and stuff like that post cricket. So, probably Youngy. Um, <laughs> Do you know what? I applaud you for even going for this question. That's I thought it. you'd just be like, oh, I kind of picked no, one here. I'm, you know me, I'm game for anything. Uh, let me think. Probably have to, Tom Latham, I feel like of the two, who would the best kisser be? I feel like <laughs> Henry Nichols probably is the best kisser. <laughs> I don't know why, but we'll just run with it. And then, unfortunately, Tommy, it would have to be you to kill, only probably because he pumps me all the time. So. <laughs> Shout out to Tommy Latham. Love you, bro. I would never kill you. Still. <laughs> a, success, a succession of chilling images there. Um, <laughs> one of the things I, I love in New Zealand, one of the many sensible things about it, apart from that, that is it called the right-hand rule or whatever, when you let someone through when you're driving so you don't waste your time, is that thing, the that kind of national monuments rule. What's that? What's that? Like if you're driving and there's one person coming towards you that's got a queue of people behind them and they need to turn left you you just let or they need to turn across you you let them go is it called the nah that's that used to be a rule actually you're right now nah, that went out maybe 10 years ago oh that was that a rule was, though, oh, yeah. that is, 
years. I've had it with that country. What Google are you on here? <laughs> I've, I've spent most of that decade telling people what a brilliant rule it is and what a nice place it is <laughs> and how much practical it is. No, it's gone. Um, but the other thing is that, that National Monuments thing. So that meant, for instance, I was working in um, Wellington and some of the other... So I was doing a venue called the San Francisco Bathhouse and there were some other comics and they were going, do you want to play some cricket? And I said, I'd love to. Um yeah, where could we go? And they said, well, we can go and play at the Basin Reserve. And I was going, how do you mean? And they were saying, well, it's just open all the time. And indeed it was. And we could just wander there and they'd go... And the square square wasn't even roped off. And I kind of thought, this is an unbelievably trusting place. I was talking to the bloke in the museum and he's going, yeah, just no one goes on the square. And I was going, yeah, but, I mean, why haven't you roped it off? Anything could happen. He goes, oh, yeah, stuff happens here all the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There were some people broke in upstairs. There was a guy found murder behind the sight screen. But, no, you wouldn't go on the square, would you? And I thought, this is the most <laughs> amazing place. Yeah, it's actually quite a funny thought about cricket, isn't it, that you just mentioned, like, a small, tiny bit of rope around a square just stops anyone from going on it. Like, it's, yeah. it's nothing. <laughs> but, yeah. Um, no, nah, but I don't know. That's just the Kiwi way, I guess. Um, I don't know if you can still do that, but it is – it is definitely open during the day, but they obviously... I hope it's not enough of these rules that have been toughened up because I got too excited about them during my brief. <laughs> yeah, you probably get away with it still. Yeah, if you smile, you get away with most things in New Zealand. The only thing I don't like about New Zealand is the flights. I'm a bad flyer, and uh, that yeah. Wellington flight, oh, my God. I, 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 I'm not somebody that's like a big like sort of religious person, but I tell you what, I was saying, please, God, please, God, please, God, please, God, as we were flying into Wellington that day. You come in on the side... You never come in straight. It's like on the side. It's rocking up and down. Oh, my God. I've never... I got off. I had to ch- get a change of clothes. I was drenched with sweat. <laughs> for, for, for starters. Yeah. Man, as, as you get on the flight, the captain's like, oh, we're going to have to fly at this level because on the way to Auckman, um, one of the air hostesses fell and banged her head. And automatically, <laughs> I'm, I'm on edge. <laughs> Just the super relaxed. I gripped the seat that hard. My fingers, like, were like, gun, like, sort of like blue at the end because I gripped it that tight at the end. I wasn't not letting go. Oh, Stokes, Stokes, he's like, look at me, gun. Well, if we go down, we'll go down. There's nothing we can do about it. I'm like, yeah, that's oh, God's like sake, man, will you just crack it in? <laughs> Yeah, that's I don't know how stuff, you do it. Hey. I think probably just once again, we're used to it. You guys don't fly as much domestically here. Of course, just on the coach, which is great, but um, we're just, I guess, so used to it. It's a bit of fun. What's the worst that can happen? It's bit of fun to hear that, Miles. It's a completely different a- attitude. It's can do. Speaking of your throwback, uh, your throwback comment, Miles, like 20 years ago, whatever it was, when you the right hand turn. Um, Lockie wears, Lucky wears black boots, like the, the 80s footballers. He tucks his shirt in, he's got his socks pulled up high. Place on Man United, obviously, or someone like that. Yeah. What, what's with the black boots, Lucky? Because I, lo- I love that, that you've gone for the black. Um, it actually, similar to my long sleeves, it, it just sort of started, sort of fell into it a little bit, where, I mean, I, I had a, a foot blowout when I was 24, where I burst my joint capsule in, in my foot, and it was a bit of a disaster, and um, had to get a special spike pattern, that, like loads of players get them. And so the shoe that I was getting spiked up in Essex one, they had run out of white ones in New Zealand just before I debuted for New Zealand, actually. So uh, they said we can only make them in, in black. And so I played in black ones. And then um, I like being a little bit different from time to time. And I've sort of just stuck with them. And I, I do get a bit of stick. We've got this shoe in New Zealand called a rugged shark. You should Google it. It's, um, it's a school shoe. 
And uh, even the Indian boys in this trip have been giving me stick about, oh, we used to wear those shoes going to school. I don't know how you bowl quicker. Um, <laughs> but nah, they've just it's sort of just stuck a little bit. Um, I don't have a, I don't have many pairs of white shoes, which shows you how much red ball cricket I'm playing at the moment. Um, <laughs> Do they still have the shark bus in Auckland? The what, sir? The shark bus. Oh, please, the shark bus. You know, to go to. Um... Kelly Tartan, Kelly oh, yeah, Tartan, yeah. the yeah. short bus. You would, Mark. You would not. You wouldn't even go to the aquarium. You would stay on the bus. It is. It's a normal bus, but it's it's like a shark, isn't it? Going yeah. to Kelly Tartan's Water World Adventure. It's oh, it so. I remember we took my eldest son there for his first birthday, and I just I just wanted to stay on the bus. Which you're just driving through the Auckland traffic in a giant that's, shark, effectively. That's, Mark. that's so English. You just wanted to stay on the bus. it was my safe place (laughs) yeah yeah (laughs) well some work some working public transport is such an (laughs) eye-opener miles should we should we test locking out with the super rover definitely we should definitely we should you get you get your stop stopwatch ready come on the locky right we're gonna do a minute or a minute is is it a minute miles or 90 seconds i think it's 90 seconds often 90 seconds come on then Super Rover, 90 seconds. First thing that comes to your head, Lockie, just blurt it out and we'll talk about it at the end. Right. Miles, are you ready on the clock? Go. On your marks, get set. I've, and hang on. If I say on your marks, get set, you don't. Well, I'm on the clock. Right hand turn. You're meant to let me in. But I can't. <laughs> in no culture in the world, Mark, do you say on your marks, get set, and then someone else shouts three? That is right, simply not how it works. <laughs> come on, then. You start it. <laughs> this, is, this is the opposite of can do. All right, we've allied two. This is this is Library of Congress versus Dewey Decimal System. It's absolute chaos. All right, three, two, one, go. White spikes or coloured spikes? Coloured spikes. Your favourite TV owl? TV owl. <laughs> Pass. I'll come back to it. Uh, your any or best celeb contact in your phone? Uh, Kane Williamson. Your first <laughs> cricket bat? GM Cannon, signed by Martin Crow. Who, where, what's your favourite sandwich filling? Oh, uh, egg. Oh, turning pitch <laughs> or green top? Uh, green top, fine. <laughs> <laughs> Heaviest oh. item you've ever dropped on your foot? Heaviest item, a fridge. Um, have you ever been mistaken for a celebrity or another cricketer? Yeah, all the time, Jimmy Nation. Mike Gatting is coming for dinner, what do you cook him? Ah, oh, geez, it'd have to be uh, New Zealand butterflied lamb. Oh, fries. And finally, you come to the wicket, you ask the umpire for a guard. What are you asking him for? It depends if you're bowling or not. Um, it'd be off stump normally, middle and off. Otherwise, it could be negative one if you're on. <laughs> <laughs> Brilliant. Brilliant. Lockie Ferguson, what a guy. Miles, what do you think that man says? Uh, my favourite answer, that's the 90 seconds, by the way. I have to say my favourite oh, answer sorry, would just be... The, one of the barest of all margins there. I've done it right back. <laughs> You're in. Lockie's not watched the World Cup final, so he's never, he's never heard the great Ian Smith's commentary. Uh, uh, I think saying the word egg with such certainty uh, <laughs> is prob- it's possibly one of my favourite answers. With Jack Leach's favourite sandwich filling, that was three or four minutes of our lives, probably. Yeah, really? And then... And then, and then he followed it up with a, a voicemail, like a, like a three days later. He'd actually had a different sandwich that he liked now with Swiss cheese mm. or whatever. Oh, I wanted to change it. Whereas mm. that sort of bang, 
straight in with the egg there. Very yeah, confident. Yeah. How come you dropped the fridge on your foot? It's a fast ball, and that's got to be a bit of a no-no, hasn't it? Yeah, well, you know what it's like. We're just classically moving a fridge around and then drop the email. <laughs> is that part of the training program now? Is it? Is that moving the fridge? Is that the tra- Is that in yeah. there? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, I said. Yeah, yeah exactly. Of course, you're not you're not allowed to move fridges in New Zealand now. They uh, outlawed that ten years ago. <laughs> uh, uh, Kane Williamson, though, that's a very impressive. How uh, how the hell did you meet him, Lockie? Yeah, just like bumped into one gala, you know, and we um, we had him off talking about, <laughs> talking about kiwi fruit. He loves the so, orchard, so we had enough. That guy, absolutely orchard daft. <laughs> Loggy, thank you very much for coming on. Appreciate it. I hope your recovery is going well, bro. Looks forward to seeing you on the pack soon. Loggy Ferguson there. What I mean, he is absolutely as nice as I say all New Zealanders are. Is he not? Yeah. Uh, you know what? That was great fun. He just went for it, didn't he? Like, with his answers. With I mean, a lot of the time, he would be sort of professionally sort of sitting on the fence, but he just went for it. And I absolutely loved that. That was great crack. Also, I would say, like, uh, from an improvisational point of view, uh, he was prepared to go for it. His, uh, you know, his description of meeting Kane Williamson yeah. <laughs> at a gala and the two of them being orchard crazy. Uh, <laughs> uh, or being, yeah, the guy just loves orchards. He's very good. Mm. Very good to work with. Uh, who is he quicker than you? I would, I would put him ahead of me, yeah. I'd say there's probably... Nokia and Lockie Ferguson are, are the two quickest, I would say. Um, certainly, I think when Lockie hits his straps, it's it can look frighteningly fast. So, um, yeah, I would, say, I would say Lockie has me covered, yeah. If you had a choice between being from New Zealand and being from England, Mark, honestly, which would you choose? <laughs> England? I mean, have you heard they've changed the rule about turn and ride? <laughs> <laughs> it was such a good rule. I can't explain it. It's worth Googling. It basically meant... Who, t- who told you the... Richard Hadley. <laughs> <laughs> the bloke I rented the camper van off, he explained it to me. What it means is someone's coming towards you and they want to turn right across you. Mm. They And they've got loads of cars behind them that if you carry on going, we'll all have to wait. You let the person cross in front of you and therefore loads of people aren't delayed and the person at the front doesn't have that thing where everyone behind's getting fed up with them. It was a brilliant rule. It was quite complicated. It meant that each time it happened, we'd go, I can't remember how this works. And it made, I think, for a happier place. I th- I didn't, actually, speaking of Lockie, some so talk about him bowling fast all the time, but actually he's got a fantastic slower ball. And that's one of the reasons I think he gets a lot of wickets as well, because he bowls these balls obviously at 95 miles an hour, and then he has a leg cutter that must be about 72 to 75, and that's a massive drop-off in pace. So you can imagine if you're setting yourself at 95, sometimes if the drop-off is that far, you're almost through the shot. And... You know, a, a dot ball or a wicket is vital in 2020 cricket. I think people often look past the fact, oh, he just balls fast. He's got a, uh, you know, an awkward action where he's wide on the crease and it's it sort of, he spears in his yoga. But then if you back that up with that slower ball, I think that's, it's deadly, isn't it? So he's got, it's not just a, a one trick pony. He's definitely got, you know, good skill as well. But the thought, the thought of setting yourself a ninety-five, even seventy-two, is quick to me. It seems I went to the nets at the Oval, you know, downstairs. To I had a, a a game, and I thought I'll go and get some practice in, and they let us go down there. And a friend came with me, and he was operating the bowling machine, and it, we were just putting it up by one mile an hour at a time, just to see where my comfort level was. And uh, guess, would you like to guess at which speed the ball came to me? Guess at what at what speed the ball to me came unplayably fast. 
I'm going to say that when you you were tightening it early on, maybe a little bit flamboyant, you got a little bit casual. Then, as you got into it, the ball just started hitting the bat a little bit more than you would like. You weren't making contact with the ball, maybe a couple of edges. Eventually, the speed got so fast that maybe you nicked one. Then it was flying past before you got your back down at a speed of 73. <laughs> I, I, would, I would love that to have been my uh, just outside my comfort zone. Honestly, six, when it was 61 miles an hour, I could see it and I could block it. When, he, when my friend, my friend Tom Tuck, when he put it up to 62, I just couldn't see it. Does anyone bowl? So if I faced Steve-O, for instance, for me, well, everyone would be like, it, oh, it's the no, fact no, that it moves about. Be, for me, for me, fast. he'd be unplayably quick. Yeah. He'd be far too fast. Does any, you, what, maybe what? that New Zealand guy that used to bowl, the bald-headed guy, what was he? Was it Harris? Chris, Chris was, Harris, yeah. Chris Harris, he'd be your guy. You'd take him down. He, if he came on, I'd be like, right, send Miles in. He'd be your guy. This, this will surprise you, Mark, but... Um, uh, Michael Atherton, uh, he used to describe Chris Harris as one of the hardest bowlers he faced, a man that he simply could just did not know how to score off. And uh, was, but that would be right in your wheelhouse. That would be you, he'd be your guy. He'd be he'd come on yeah. your bat, lovely. It'd be perfect. Yeah, I'm not saying I'd score anything, but at least I'd see it. At least I'd know that I wasn't scoring any runs. Well, here here is the question that everybody wants to know. We've just had fastballer Lockie Ferguson on. Which one would you rather face? Are you rather face Lockie or you rather face me? I would rather face you because I reckon I could put you off. <laughs> I reckon there's a few. I reckon I've got a few little tricks up my sleeve, Mark, that would make you lose concentration in your run up. And 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 Lockie's the ultra professional after he's answered us to it before, is he? Yeah, yeah. I think <laughs> I just think I think I could. I would back myself. I don't. I don't know him well enough, obviously. Although Lockie did say that he would kill a man live on air. Yeah, that was strange, wasn't it? But then you sort of led him into it. We were being sort of accidentally good. I don't remember that. Good cop, bad cop. I was going, I don't think we should kill people. And you were going <laughs> for it. Yeah, I reckon I could put you off to the extent. In fact, Mark, I reckon I could put you off to the extent that the, the slips would start getting interested. Not in catching the ball off edges, because I do not think I'd be good enough to get an edge on you. But I think that you could be... I, I reckon I could I could get in your head enough that you'd start sort of spearing it in the direction of the slips. Through sheer lack of focus, that's the it's the only thing. Yeah, it's solid reasoning. I'm I'm hearing you. I'm hearing you. But otherwise, if you just if you just sort of dribbled in and bowled a straight one at sixty two miles an hour, I wouldn't know. I wouldn't know what had happened. Um, well, ladies and gentlemen, ladies and gentlemen, whoever whoever's listening, whether you're in England or you're turning right in New Zealand, we just want to say thank you for letting us through. <laughs> I, mean, I didn't know where I didn't know where you were going to go with the shark busting. Uh, look, look, he and I we're both essentially New Zealanders in outlook, Mark. It was inevitable <laughs> that we were going to bond. You know, you wouldn't in in ways that you simply couldn't understand. It was inevitable that we'd have the, you know, we'd both been to the Basin Reserve, we'd both been on a particular type of bus. In, you know, we've got stuff in common, Mark. That's that's all I'm saying. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, thank you very much indeed for listening uh, to this episode of Middle Please Umpire with our. Uh, extremely special and incredibly nice guest uh, Lockie Ferguson uh, we'll speak to you soon uh, goodbye from me Miles Jupp and goodbye from me Mark Wood oh should be taken and is taken brilliant from Mark Wood what a spell this has been
Every day, William Hill has advanced odds on cricket matches. That includes flash odds ahead of the big games, plus hashtag your odds and much more. Stake limits apply. Odds may fluctuate. Visit WilliamHill.com 18 plus. Please gamble responsibly. William Hill, it's who you play with. Sports Social Podcast Network. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.